Hello, my name is Ethan Hewlin. Like you, I live in a world that never stops moving. Also like you, I have stories. These are my stories, the true stories of a tryhard. Welcome back to True Stories of a Triad. I am Ethan Hewlin, and this week I have yet another special guest. Please welcome author uh, Kiara Comey. So, Kiara, thank you for joining us. Hi. Me today. Thank you for having me. So, uh, listeners, uh, Kiara self admittedly has. Um, Kiara and I are going to be talking about OCD today. So, I just want to hear a bit of her experience as to what that's like because it's not always portrayed in a way that um, is accurate. So uh, Kiara, can you give us a little, a little bit of uh, background about yourself? Sure. I am 20 years old. I live in Pennsylvania, the United States of America. And whenever I was 16, I was diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder. I also semi-recently was diagnosed with inattentive ADHD and borderline personality disorder. Um, I talk a lot about mental health advocacy and my own mental health on my Twitter. So if you ever just want to see me scream about things, <laughs> you can go on there. Um, background just about myself in general. I love anything nerdy, geeky. I love YouTube, Harry Potter, Marvel, all that stuff. I'm a Slytherin. I love reading, writing. My favorite animal is a wolf, in case anyone cares about that. I care. <laughs> it's important to know. Yes. Um, listeners, if you are if you really want to know, I am a Ravenclaw. Um, so, uh, Kiara, how has obsessive-compulsive uh, disorder kind of shaped the way you view the world? That's a really interesting question. So, like I said, I was diagnosed whenever I was 16. Um, so, it was in... 2016. Uh, is it all right if I kind of tell a little bit about the story of my diagnosis? Yeah, go for it. So for a while, it's hard for me to go back now and know exactly when it was, but I would say probably at least a year before I was diagnosed, I had started um, experiencing what I know now were intrusive thoughts, and I can explain more about what those are later. And at first, they were very few and far in between, and so they bothered me but I got over them quickly and then I didn't have to deal with them. And then eventually they started getting more and more frequent. And the thing with intrusive thoughts is that you feel a lot of guilt and shame over them. So I didn't want to tell anyone because I'm like, what are they going to think about me if I tell them? So I didn't. And I didn't really know a lot about most mental illnesses. Didn't really know anything about OCD. I like a lot of people nowadays, I assumed it was the really neat, clean freak thing. Now I know it isn't, and I advocate against making those kinds of jokes. So I had no basis to think that I had a mental illness. I basically thought that I was going crazy or that there was something wrong with me. And so for a very long time, I did not tell anyone. And it just kept getting worse and worse. And those thoughts that I'd had that were in the beginning, maybe weeks, months apart, started being, you know, every single day, every hour, sometimes every minute, you know, I was having all these different thoughts and all this anxiety and guilt that was gnawing away at me. 
and eventually um, I did agree to uh, see a therapist at that point I was not open about everything I was just kind of saying I have anxiety unfortunately the first experience I had with a counselor was with someone who wasn't actually licensed and we didn't realize that at that point and mm-hmm. so they did more damage than they than they probably ever knew basically um they did never thought oh maybe you have a mental illness or something and it would it was horrible I was only there for a few weeks once we realized that they were terrible I stopped going but unfortunately that made me not want to go to any therapist because I was like I, I'm not dealing with that again and so for months I refused to go to anyone else and there was another therapist my mom had found but was definitely licensed he had experience with different mental illnesses different kinds of therapy including like cognitive behavioral therapy and I was like nope I'm not doing that I'll just feel guilty and ashamed and be right here and stay in this because it's worse if I go to someone. And then uh, there was a time I was at work and I had an intrusive thought. For some reason, that intrusive thought just made me melt down. And thankfully, I was almost done with work. So I was able to come home then. And I just had a complete breakdown, told my parents everything that I had been thinking and struggling with. And I finally agreed to go to a therapist. So I went to the therapist at I had been going to for four years. I recently changed due to my new mental health diagnosis. He doesn't deal with personality disorders, so I had to get someone else. But so I went to him for four years. He was amazing. He was the one who diagnosed me with obsessive compulsive disorder. And I went through cognitive behavioral therapy with him, which helped a lot. Eventually, I was and still take. I was put on medication for it, and I do still take it. Um, So... The way that OCD is kind of shaped the way that I see the world is in a lot of different ways. I think one of the ways that I probably attribute to it most is the fact that I think of mental health a lot differently. Like I said, I didn't really know a lot about mental health. I took a psychology class in high school. Like It kind of gave overviews of mental illnesses. It didn't really go deep into them, which Mm -hmm. it's ironic. I was... This was before I ever was diagnosed with OCD. And I remember reading the little, it was probably like a paragraph of OCD. It wasn't very much at all. But I remember it like mentioning compulsions and me looking like, huh, that kind of sounds like me. Which like giving it no credence. That kind of makes right. me laugh looking back. Like, there's a reason <laughs> that you thought that. Mm-hmm. I have a lot more compassion for people dealing with mental health struggles and with mental illnesses. I'm much more educated because now I make the, attempt to educate myself and to learn because I realize I want people to educate themselves and what I'm dealing with. So I also want to do that for other mental illnesses that I haven't experienced. I I think it's made me a lot more aware of other people and aware of their feelings and all the things that people go through that you don't always know. Because once I started being more open about my OCD, which was about a year after I'd been diagnosed, I finally came out publicly and was saying, hey, I have this. This is what it is. And I've met a lot of people since then with different mental illnesses, some of them similar, some of them not even similar. And because I have this, I've been given the opportunity to be an advocate and to be someone who can meet other people where they are and say and sit with them and be like, yeah, I know how you feel. This this sucks right now and I can't tell you that I have all the answers but I can understand like some people can't 
Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of where I am because like I was diagnosed with um, anxiety and depression at eleven. So, like you, I was um, I went to a therapist for a while. I went to a therapist for five years. And I am very glad that I did because probably without his help, I would not be as open about my mental health as I am. And I probably wouldn't even have this podcast if I hadn't gone to see him. So, I mean, for that, I thank him. But um, yeah, like you, I don't know all the answers, but the point of this is for either me or my guests to kind of see like this is how someone who has this mental illness experiences it because that's who I believe would know the most about it not necessarily like professional psychologists or doctors or anything like that though they do know a lot about it the people who go through it probably know a bit more yeah a lot Um, of time those professionals can tell you a lot of technical things about something, but actually hearing from someone who has it and has experienced it, then you get more of the mental and emotional side of things. Because psychologists yeah. may be able to tell you, these are the symptoms or these are what you know scientists believe causeless. But then if you actually talk to the person, they can say, yeah, this is how I feel. This, uh, these are the, what the symptoms feel like to experience them. And I think it's important to get both technical and personal points of views like you mentioned I'm a writer and whenever I research things any kind of thing doesn't have to be mental illness could be you know like so how about firefighters or something like my what I think is important is to get both the technical aspect which is me reading articles and books and things that tell me about that profession or whatever but then also trying to find someone who is a firefighter to actually talk to them about their experiences because I think that both the technical and the personal experiences together make a more well-rounded understanding of whatever you're looking at. Yeah, precisely. So from what I have seen, OCD is one of the um, mental illnesses that has been kind of more at the forefront of being portrayed in popular media. How good of a job do you think people have gotten with portraying that accurately? I'm sure there are good portrayals out there. I have not seen a lot of them, unfortunately. Um, The way that people tend to portray OCD in the media is that it's kind of just an adjective or personality quirk, not that it's an actual disorder. And their idea of it is that it's just someone who likes things to be straight and clean and nice and in order. And in reality... While there can be some aspects of that in OCD, what OCD is, is it's um, composed of two different parts, obsessions and compulsions, hence the name. Obsessions are repeated, unwanted thoughts and images and desires that come into your mind. Um, So they can be just about anything. Sometimes they are fears of you hurting someone else. They can be fears about yourself being hurt. They can be um, religious fears, like moralistic ones. They can be fears about germs and contamination, which I think is where people get that whole clean thing from, because there is contamination. Yeah. I myself do not experience contamination symptoms. 
everyone experiences different ones. I do experience some um, religious uh, OCD thoughts and compulsions because I am a Christian. But for example, someone who's an atheist, like they won't experience that kind of obsession because they don't have a basis for it in their head. Um, so with what we call them are either obsessions or intrusive thoughts. So they are these repeated unwanted images coming into your head. And then the compulsion is either a mental or physical act that you perform that is supposed to relieve your anxiety. So someone, I usually use this example, someone may have this fear and it's irrational, but they have this unwanted intrusive thought that if they don't flick the light switch five times that their family's going to die. It doesn't make sense because there's no correlation between the light switch and their family. Their family isn't in danger and nothing's happening, but the obsession is my family's going to die if I don't do this. And the compulsion is I need to do this. And then once you do the compulsion, you feel a little less anxious but the problem is that that then cements in your head that you have to complete compulsions. So it kind of is a vicious cycle. Something you learn in therapy is to learn to not give into compulsions, which is super hard, especially whenever you're starting out. But it's something that's important in it. Uh, so with OCD, like I said, there it can be you know contamination where sometimes you might see someone maybe they are washing their hands a lot or very worried about contamination but it's not just the oh it's quirky and i like to be clean and neat it's that they're genuinely concerned that something terrible is going to happen and it is possible to have obsessive compulsive tendencies without having the disorder it honestly it's that way for pretty much any disorder you can have tendencies that are similar to disorder but I like what my ther my old therapist always said to me was, if it doesn't cause disorder, it's not a disorder. So if you can function with it and it's not impacting your life heavily, it's probably more of a tendency. I also think whenever people talk more about keeping order, what they don't realize is they're probably talking more about OCPD, which is Obsessive Compulsive Personality Disorder, is different than OCD. And it's, I don't know a whole bunch about it, so I can't speak a lot on it. But from the symptoms that I've looked at, they fit in more with that stereotypical, oh, they want things to be clean or neat or organized. But of course, since it's a disorder, it would still be much more intense and bothersome than just someone who likes cleaning. Yeah, so, yeah I was actually I going to I was actually going to ask you if you knew anything about the difference of OCD versus OCPD. Well, I know that, first of all, OCPD is a personality disorder, and personality disorders are, um, like, inherently different than the other, like, disorders that are not technically considered personality ones. Uh, I haven't, like I said, I haven't done too much research on it, and I definitely don't want to say anything that's wrong. Forgive me, I do, anyone out there. But, um, yeah, from what I looked like, a lot of the symptoms are more about the need for control and for things needing to be in certain spaces and in certain ways. And I'm sure there are several more symptoms that I can't remember off the top of my head. And that's the thing where it definitely changes with uh, OCD is if you see someone straightening something or making sure it's in a certain place, it's not coming from a place of, I just want things to look nice and neat and I have to have a neat. And I don't like that that looks out of place. It's likely coming from some sort of place of, if I don't do this or make this look this way, something bad is going to happen. Okay, so like there's 
So the distinction between like, so these intrusive thoughts that you've been talking about, like you talk about all the different ways that they can manifest. Can you go into a little bit more detail about how they manifest for you? For me, like the certain kinds or how they feel or how I know it's intrusive thoughts, like what exactly are you, or all of it. I can go through all of it too. All all the above, really. (laughs) Um, So with intrusive thoughts, the ones I experience are, um, I already mentioned the religious intrusive thoughts. Um, And then I think they're also called scrupulosity, I think is another word for it. That was, that's a word I recently learned though, so. I don't know. Um, violent and self-harm intrusive thoughts. So fears about hurting yourself, about hurting others. Thoughts of things that you know you would never do, but that are still coming into your head. And that plays a lot into the whole guilt and shame because you're having these thoughts about hurting people and you're like, I would never do that. But then you're like, but if I'm having these thoughts, doesn't that mean I'm a bad person? That's something that you have to work through when you start going to therapy for OCD. Um, um sexual intrusive thoughts um other kinds like in that category um i can also have like a lot of things that like will scare me um i don't know i guess you put it in the whole violent intrusive thought things like something that if i'm watching something and it's extremely violent i'll continue to have intrusive thoughts about it um i used to have what are called numbering compulsions um i kind of not grown out of but as i've been through therapy i don't really deal with those anymore those are ones that i have dealt with and that if i'm not careful could kind of come back again i think those are all of them (laughs) i feel like i've said a lot of them but I, i but i still feel like i'm missing something but i think that's all of them because that's sort of the kind of main genres or subsections you'll see of them other than also contamination OCD, which thankfully is something I don't deal with. Mm-hmm. Has it made it any more difficult for you to interact with other people? Like no, like having these intrusive thoughts, has that made it any more difficult? Or is it something that you can train yourself to kind of, not necessarily get rid of, but like put at bay for a little while? Yeah, it does, especially in the earlier stages when you don't have a hold on it, and especially whenever I didn't know what it was, because whenever you're interacting with people and you're having bad thoughts about them, negative and any, and it's not just, you know, oh, I don't like that person, but like their violent thoughts or, you know, just inappropriate thoughts, you feel, like I said, very guilty for it. And a lot of times for me, like it then is like, well, I can't focus because I'm trying to fight away these thoughts. And I'm having them. And I feel like I'm a terrible person. And what if they knew? If they only knew what I was thinking. But I would never actually do this. And you kind of get stuck in this cycle. Um, with therapy, I have been able, you know, it's a lot. It feels weird saying easier because it's still hard. And there are days that are, like, so hard to do, to deal with. But it is easier than it was. And that is something you learn in therapy is one of the first things that you learn. And this is a phrase that, like, was drilled into my mind from the beginning is the phrase it's not me it's my OCD and so when you have an intrusive thought that one of the first steps is recognizing it as such recognizing that it's not you you're not the one thinking this you're not it's not your intention to do this it's your mind freaking out and giving you you know spitting up random thoughts and images that you can't control and 
starting to put that distance between yourself and your intrusive thoughts is one of the first steps to learning to deal with them mm -hmm. and very long, hard road. And I still, sometimes I still obviously will have them and some will be more bothersome than others and more difficult than others to kind of push away. You learn different coping mechanisms and coping skills for learning to process and deal with intrusive um, thoughts because your instinct usually is to force yourself to stop thinking about it, but you can't do that with your head. You know, there's even been studies of, I don't remember the exact study, but I believe it was something like where they had people and they told them like a story about a polar bear or something and they're like, okay, now for the next 30 seconds, don't think about it at all. And because they told them not to think about it, it kept coming up. And that's the same thing with OCD. The more that you're focusing on, don't think about it, don't think about it, don't have this thought, the more it keeps coming back up. So ignoring it doesn't really work. You do have to address that it is there, but that's where then addressing that it's not you comes in, which starts helping. So is it more of a process of kind of naming what it is and saying, this is not me? Is that kind of how that goes? Yeah, because that's a big part to help with the guilt and the shame because you're recognizing it's a mental illness. It's a symptom of a mental illness. My brain doesn't process things the same way as others do. That's why this is coming in my head, reminding yourself that you are not a bad person. You do not have bad intentions. You are not defined by whatever you're thinking. And then you, learning other coping skills for distracting yourself from the thought. And there's all kinds of things that could be just starting to read a book or something because that'll distract me. Or there's something called um, safe place visualization, which is used in, I think, several different kinds of therapy. So I'm sure plenty of the people without OCD may have heard of it, where you build up this image in your head of a place where you'd feel calm and you'd feel safe and you go through all your five senses of what can you hear or smell in this place then once you have that build up you can kind of go back to that place whenever you're feeling anxious um, another technique is called the container which is one i don't use a lot but i some techniques work better for some people and they do others uh, and it's, again, where you're visualizing something, you visualize a container, you can build it any way you want, it can look however you want it to, but the one caveat is that it has to be strong, and it has to have a lid that only you can open, and that nothing can get out of, and mine, since I was a Marvel geek, uh, mine is vibranium, so like it can't, can't get out at all, because <laughs> that right. helped me, and... Then sometimes if you have a thought or an image or whatever in your head, what you can do is take that thought, urge, that feeling, you can visualize it however you want. You can visualize, visualize it as the actual words of the thought. You can visualize it as like some kind of little monster or as a even just as some sort of color or feeling. And what you do is you visualize in your head taking that thought, opening up your container, shoving it in there and closing it so it can't get out. It's not, it's not a fix-all situation. That thought will still sometimes will still come back. You're obviously not locking it away physically, but sometimes that helps a little bit. There were times where I used it, and I was surprised that it helped a little bit because I think it's more so that it's 
getting it to the back of your mind or you felt like you deal you feel like you've dealt with it um it's been a really long time since i've used that since i was taught how to use it so i might be mistaken in some of the reasonings of how it's supposed to help but (laughs) that's okay i mean if you don't if you don't use it all the time why would you really need to pay attention yeah because it was one that i learned and one that i would still like suggest for people because like i said some some things just work better some people mm-hmm. may not like the safe place visualization because maybe they have a harder time visualizing things. I have a terribly active imagination that can be both a blessing and a curse. So that is very easy for me to visualize. Pretty much anything you tell me to visualize, I'm going to be able to visualize. Whereas for someone else, that may not be a technique that works for them. So it's still a valid technique, just maybe not my thing. Right. Right. So, uh, Kiara, we are approaching uh, wrap-up time do you have any encouraging words for the listeners out there who may be either experiencing OCD themselves or experiencing something similar or know somebody who is experiencing that I would say that definitely find a support system if it's your family or some people that you trust because it's good to have those people in place if you're not already in therapy try to find a good licensed therapist because we already learned that that you got to be careful um and be willing to talk about it not saying you have to tell the public about it but be willing to talk to someone and to get help because the longer you keep it in it, it doesn't help especially with ocd it nothing will get better it'll just keep getting worse and remember that it isn't you that you're not a bad person and that you're not the only one dealing with it when I was first diagnosed there was part of me that kind of felt relieved like oh I'm not the only one having these thoughts great I'm not it's not just me dealing with it so know that you are not alone that there is help and hope out there and that you know you can get through this all right um thank you for coming on Kiara um it's been a real pleasure having you here is there anything you would like to plug Oh, I would like to plug my Twitter that I mentioned earlier, where I'm either yelling about mental health or about geeky things. So if you like either of those things, you can follow me on Twitter at Kiara underscore Kami. That's K-I-A-R-A underscore K-A-L-M-E-Y. And if you are dealing with any sort of mental health thing and you'd like to talk, I definitely, of course, am not a medical professional or a therapist, but I am willing to listen and let you know that. I understand that you're not alone. Um, Yeah, I think that's it for now. All right. Uh, Thank you, Kiara. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in this week to True Stories of a Tri-Card. You can find me on Instagram at ethan.t.hewlin. You can find me on Twitter at etphonehome. The O's, zeros, and the E's are threes. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at truestoriespod. I'll be back with more stories next week. So until then, this is Ethan Hewlin. And Kiara Kelmy, signing off. Bye.